Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Master Your Magnetism podcast, where I bring on top experts to help you open your heart and radiate self-love so you'll naturally become a match to the life and relationship you've always wanted. Today, I'm so excited. I'm talking to my good friend, Larry Michael. Welcome, Larry. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, like my favorite person in this entire industry. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Yes, I've been looking forward to this all week. For those of you who aren't familiar with Larry, he is a teacher, author, speaker, and coach. He's also the founder of the Institute of Genetic Energetics. And today we have a really interesting topic. The title of this episode is called Undefining Love, Getting Back to Our Origins. This is going to be a little different than anything I've ever shared before here on my podcast, but you're just going to absolutely love just soaking in all the amazing Larry energy and vibe. <laughs> and my guess is that you'll probably leave much more open-hearted and ready to give and receive love. So, Larry, let's dive into this topic. What's the first thing you have to say about undefining love? Hmm, the first thing. Oh, my gosh. I guess the first thing that I'd have to say is, um, or it's a question. The first thing I would do is ask a question of everybody listening, and that is, how would you define love? And, and I'll just actually, I'll ask it of you, Helena, because um, you can answer for us, you know, or, or start it out. Um, and I'm asking this question because it was one that was asked me about a decade ago. And it was asked to me after decades, I mean, years and years and years of wanting to totally understand love. Like, what is it? How come I'm not feeling it? How come when I feel it, it hurts? How come my heart's broken? Oh, just, you know, I've been searching since I was a little kid. And then about a decade ago, that all shifted. So my question to everybody is, how do you define love? And Helena, I'll give you a stab at it. That's a great question. I actually feel like I should have prepared a little bit for this. <laughs> oh, no, I like I it better say, when you're not prepared. It's more oh fun goodness. when you're not prepared. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's more than just a feeling. I would say it's who we are. I would say we are extensions of love. That's the first thing that came to me. Like when we're in alignment with our heart and who we truly are, we just radiate out that love. But I'm so curious to hear everything you have to say on this. Well, so it's, <laughs> I guess you're probably the wrong person for me to ask that question to because you have so much experience with it that you went so close to being right on action. <laughs> um, so here's what happened to me. About a decade ago, I was at, at an event and we had, you know, groups of people and with the, there were like five or six people in the event and we were dealing with languaging and communication and so on. And we had to pick a topic. And then we had to pick actually a word, and then we had to define that word. And as a group, the group decided, let's do love. It was like love or education, you know, pick one or the other. And they went for love. And so it's going around the circle, and everybody's talking about 
what love is, you know, and love is feeling admired. Love is connection. Love is all these different things that people really um, want in their life. You know, all these actions and connections and, and ways of being, and it was being described like that. And then they were also talking about, Oh, you know, when love's not there, it's like people are cruel and, it was amazing. And I'm listening to this as it's going along and I'm asking myself, well, what's my answer to this one? And I realized that the truth of it is that there is no definition for love. There just isn't because as soon as you define it, it's no longer there. And what I mean by that is most people are looking at an experience they've had in the past and they're going, that's what I want. I want more of that. I wanted that, that situation that was so yummy and juicy and passionate and exciting and creative and blissful. And, you know, I want more of that. That's love. I felt so loved then. Right. And, but they're talking about something that happened in the past and they want that to be the case right now. Or people were describing what, they want in the future or didn't want in the future. Like I didn't want someone that was mean to me or cruel to me or cheated on me or any of those things, but I want, and again, they're describing all these different actions. It's like having, you know, the, the five love languages and all the variations of things related to those love languages were all being described, but they also didn't exist in the present. They were in the future. They were a projection. And so everyone was like describing love as something that they either had or something that they wanted, but they weren't describing really where they were at the moment. And I realized, oh my gosh, if we spend time defining love, what we really aren't is we're not in the present. And the only place that love really exists is in the present, but let's go deeper. <laughs> so this is where I was 10 years ago. I'm thinking I have to be present. I have to be really now and and in embracing this moment to experience love. That was my belief back then. And of course, I've spent another decade kind of looking at it and looking at it and studying and researching. And at the end of the day, what I really discovered, and this is the piece, are you ready for it? Oh yeah, I'm so excited to hear about this. Is that, and, and it's so close to what you said, love is our life force. We are love. There's no way that we are not love and we're never broken. We're never destructed. We're never without love because we are breathing. We're alive. The most unconditionally loving thing that you do every day is you get up in the morning, you take a breath and you greet the day and go, I'm doing it. I'm doing another day. And so we wake up full of love. We, we are life itself. And we exist today because we are love. It is literally our life force. So if we look at it like that, everything shifts immediately. And by shift, I mean that the next time that someone says to you, you don't love me, or and you go, well, how can you say that? And they say, well, because you don't do this and you don't do that. And I don't get enough of this or I don't get enough of that. You can go, okay, I can appreciate that you want more compassion or more understanding or better communication. Those are actions and activities, but they're not love. As soon as we compound love or we, we connect love to actions and activities and ways of being, the minute they're not there, 
we put ourselves in the position to depreciate who we are. And that's the disastrous piece. So I'm not saying now, as we're talking to everyone, that love doesn't exist or we shouldn't really um, absolutely embrace love because that's embracing ourselves. And I'm not saying that being in a place like you described of, of really feeling like a fully loving and, and whole human being doesn't have a positive impact on all the things we do. It absolutely does. But what I am saying is that we need to separate the actions, the behaviors, the conditions, those characteristics that are really important to us from love so that never, ever do we depreciate who we are as a loving, breathing, divine human being. I'm loving everything you're saying. I can definitely feel the difference. One, that sort of limited view of love to me feels like it's something outside of yourself that usually someone else needs to provide, or I had it in the past, but I don't currently have it, or I've been looking for it and I can't find it. <laughs> or maybe you can get it for a little while, but then the other person gets busy with something else or makes some decision and now you can lose it. It feels very outside of your control. Whereas the way you're describing love, it's just who we are. And so we don't have to control circumstances or rely on anyone else to give it to us. So mm -hmm. to me, that feels very freeing. And it feels like it's the one thing that we do have control over is ourselves and how we feel. So this is great. I'm really looking forward to diving deep into this topic. Uh, what, what's the next thing you have to share about this? Well, so let's, the, the crazy thing about this is, is when I, finally kind of looked at it and went, well, wait a second. This is our life force. We are love. There's no way we're without it. I went, but how, what's happening to us every day, every second of every day, every time we watch something on TV or we pick up a book and it says the five love languages or the 20 ways that you know someone loves you or, you know, the 115 different aspects of love. <laughs> it's like the, the word love itself, I went, hmm. How old is this? When did it first show up? I mean, we've been around on this planet for millions of years as human beings, um, standing upright for maybe less, but right, we've been around for a long time. And how old is love? Well, the word love is only about 5,000 years old, interestingly enough, which means that we existed as human beings and multiplied and grew and and carried on and interacted with each other and found ways to procreate and expand long before there was even a word called love. Mm. So love shows up and it gets popularized, right? It gets commercialized. And, and this is a piece that it's like, I kind of have a love hate relationship with it because I understand commercializing things and I understand getting people excited about things and being passionate about things. But I also see that there's danger in it because it sets us up for failure. And I don't want anyone ever to be set up for failing in the possibility, potentiality, or the existence of their love. It just is there. We're there. Now, there's lots of things that we can do as human beings to interact more effectively, to communicate more understandably and make acknowledge our differences and our similarities. You know, from my background in genetic energetics, I'm huge on that one, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it, that there is so much that we can do there, but how 
much more fun is it and how more enjoyable might it be if we could just look at those actions and activities that we desire and never ever have to feel that we're less than or we're not good enough or we're not capable of being loving and caring, but we are very capable of tuning up how we show up, right? How we interact, how we, um, how we extend our curiosity in someone else's, into someone else's way of communicating, a way of being when it's very different than ours. And mm. when we can do that without judging someone as being damaged or broken or love lost or, or, you know, there's, there's so many words, right? All we have to do is, is, you know, turn on HBO and pick your movie mm-hmm. and, you know, and you have 10,000 ways to look at love. A matter of fact, on a daily basis, there's over 40,000 searches for the word love per minute. Wow. <laughs> you know, just, mm-hmm. So people are very interested in this. And I'm just saying, whoa, stop with the love thing. You got it. You're there. You're loved. You're magnificent. You're breathing. You're alive. You're vivacious. Your life force is extending out and we can all feel it. And now let's just focus on how do we become more compassionate, more caring, more connected human beings. I am just loving everything you're sharing here. And I think a lot of people who are drawn to this work consciously they might say no I know I'm worthy I deserve the best right but they're staying stuck in situations that are not in alignment with what they truly want for themselves so it's not like they're walking around saying to themselves that they're unworthy and things like that it's going on on a deeper level by the situations they tend to be drawn to or stay stuck in do you see that as well I'm curious I'm curious about your thoughts about how to sort of match what you know to be true about yourself with, you know, the behaviors and feelings and actions that line up with that? Well, it's such a great question, Melina. I love that. Mm-hmm. The, the, see, I, and by the way, in our vocabulary, what did I just say? I love that, right? It's so <laughs> ingrained that even though I know that there's more to that, I like, I'm excited by what you said. Yeah, I say that all the time, too. You know, I love that. In fact, I have a fun variation on what I love you really means, and we can get to that first in a second. But to your question, what we really have the opportunity to do is that we have the opportunity to look at what we've experienced, or we look at, you know, a, a mistake that we may have made. And by me, mistakes are opportunities to always improve. Something didn't work, which means there's a distinction there that allows us to get better, to emerge, to evolve. And in every relationship, there are unique opportunities. Some people really communicate well. Some people just are the so much fun to connect with, to hug, to hold, and but they don't communicate worth a damn, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, some people are like, they're just so integrous that everything that they say they will do, they must do because it's their principles, it's their values, and it's just so strong. And others have more flexibility in that area. So what we get the opportunity to do is look at each individual and 
kind of assess, you know, what is my interaction with them like? What are they like? How do they show up? Are they trustworthy? Am I excited to be with them? Or maybe there's someone that you really want to spend time with, work with, it could be even one of your family members that you've had challenges with. And you go, and a lot of people go, well, oh, you know, my older sister never loved me. Oh, God. Hmm. You know, how damaging is that, right? Or, or I never felt love in my family. And, you know, what we're describing there is something that's not love. It's an action. It's an activity that helped us connect at a deeper level. So instead of feeling like someone withheld it or didn't have it or was incapable of it, now we can look at that action and go, how can we fine tune it? How can we improve on it? How can we understand it better? You know, uh, genetic energetics, the science that I work with, identifies the energetic frequencies that people vibrate at. And there are people that genetically are very different than others. And one of those things, for example, is that as an example, is how we communicate. Some people are very, we call them figurative. They're very emotive. They just love to express themselves with emotion. And there's others that are structural. I'm one of those people. And so I pick my words to mean exactly what I want to say. And not necessarily, I don't necessarily put a lot of emotion into it. So I may say, you know, I really would like to do that. That sounds great to me. And the figurative person is listening going, what does he want to do? I said, <laughs> I would really like to do that. It sounds great to me. But they don't hear that. They don't hear that expression. They don't even believe that I really want to do it because what they don't hear me doing is going, oh, my God, I'd love to do that. It sounds so good. Right? <laughs> I'm laughing because I think, you know, I'm a figurative communication style person. Yeah. And by the way, if anyone's curious, you know, what style you are, we can talk more about this towards the end. I know you have an amazing free gift where you can get your free energetic profile. If you're listening to the replay of this on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else, maybe here on Bullhorn, I'll include that as the first link in the description or episode details. And we'll talk a little more about what that means. But yeah, let's get into this a little bit. So if you're saying something in a very structural, way and like I know that you're did, a structural right? right then I you know um, me being a figurative person I, I think what I hear you say is since I didn't feel the emotion behind it it's hard for me to pick up on what you actually mean do I have that right yes or even trust that what I'm saying is the truth so you know let's say you call me up and you go hey Larry do you want to be on my radio show and I go mm -hmm. yeah sounds great <laughs> sounds perfect <laughs> right. And, and you get off, you go, Oh, good. Larry said, yes. And then you get off the phone and you said, well, he didn't seem very enthused about it. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he really wants to do that. Or if he just said yes, because I asked him or, you know, is it really going to be a good show? You have all these things running around in your head going, well, I wonder what kind of show that's going to be. I mean, you know, he didn't go, Oh my God. Yes, 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 yes. I want to do it. I can't think of anything else. I want to do more. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, which, you know, inside my head, because I've had this experience of, of being interviewed and working with you in the past, what I just did emotionally is my truth. But all I said was, sounds great. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so we read into or we omit things when people communicate and we're dealing with different communication styles. Now, if you and I are the same communication style, what I say may mean ex you pick up on it. You go, okay, great. He said, sounds great. That means it means great to him. He wouldn't say great unless it was great. He would have mm -hmm. said, yeah, okay. 
Mm -hmm. Or, hmm, yeah, I need to think about it. Something like that, right? Right. And, and, And I would think if someone said, I need to think about it, my response would be, so what is it specifically you need to know? And a figurative person might think, well, that means he doesn't really care, right? Uh As opposed to, I need more information. So what we have a tendency to do as human beings is we get along really well with people that are just like us. Yes. That communicate like us, that think at the same speeds that we think, that process information at the same speeds, that have the same relationship with money, that sexually engage the same way. We, you know, when, when we find that, it's like, oh, a friend. A matter of fact, it is so powerful that lots of times I have people when they're totally energetically the same, they'll go, oh, we must have known each other in a past life. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I mean, how could I feel so close to you? And we've never met before. This is so amazing. We must have could have been 10 past lives, right? <laughs> what yeah. it is, is that you literally are talking to someone that's almost identical to you energetically. Now you can have completely different backgrounds, right? And completely different ideas about religious practices or family or what you do for a living. But energetically, you're like the hand in the glove. <laughs> and it so feels true. so good. It that's feels so true. Good. Yeah, I'm thinking about my husband and myself. But we uh, did a <laughs> an energetic uh, romance report with Larry back, uh, I believe, a year and a half ago when I had you on my YouTube channel for the first time for a live stream. And we don't really have anything in common in terms of what we do for work and things like that, but we just felt like we'd known each other forever. You know, as you said, we're like a match made in heaven energetically. (laughs) We're like the same person, even though our interests and careers are very different. So I completely understand what you're saying there. And that connection can be so sweet that it's possible to have very different interests and careers and still very feel very connected where when you're with someone that's very different than you energetically, you may have the same interests and the same careers. And then you're wondering why, you know, why aren't we working together? Why aren't we doing events together? Why aren't we reading books, you know, writing books together? And, and, and there's kind of this make wrong, like, because you know that your, your desires and your similarities are so strong, but you can't figure out why it just doesn't seem to line up. Right. You know, it's like, let's plan this. Oh yeah. It sounds like a great idea. We've got so many similar ideas. And then it like, doesn't happen. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. And then, and then there's a make wrong, like, well, I guess we're really, maybe we're not so well matched. And there's challenges with that, right? Because the reality is Helena, that not all of us has have an opportunity or encounter the experience of having someone that's almost nearly identical to us energetically, we're all very different. Mm -hmm. And many relationships exist with people that have different communication styles or have different speeds that they process information. And they get stuck in this scenario of, why can't you be more like me? Or they have to do a lot of extra work. I'm not going to say extra, additional work to really connect. Like when we're with someone that is exactly the same communication style, it doesn't take a lot of extra work. Now we we may, and and we rarely would have misunderstandings, but we certainly could have disagreements. We certainly could believe things differently, but we'd have no problem explaining that or understanding our differences or our disagreements. And so, you know, there's a lot of work that can be done there. 
And what ends up happening in many situations, and I think this is really what's taken me to this topic of undefining love, is that I've seen so many people kind of try to dismantle relationships with shame or blame or guilt or resentment or judgment or righteousness, all of these, you know, these ways of evaluating things that totally deplete and depreciate the quality of the relationship. And they all happen mostly because there's a difference and they don't understand why that difference exists. And they want someone to be, we want someone to be just like us because mm-hmm. it's way easier. Mm-hmm. The reality mm-hmm. is that, you know, that's when we walk around the world, half of the people out there are not like us. Yeah. are not even close. So that means that at any moment, there's a 50-50 chance that we're going to encounter someone that we have to be more understanding, more appreciative of, and more caring and acknowledging of, and more honoring of. And when love gets projected onto that person's behavior, and they go, well, you're not very loving, or how, how could you possibly have a relationship? I don't experience any love from you then, you know, we have depreciated it to the core. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the reality is we're all breathing. We're, our life force is vibrant and alive. Even if you are sick, fighting a cold or whatever, or you got in an accident and you're healing and you're depleted resource, resources wise, you still have a strong beating heart. And as long as that life force is there, you are loved. So the invitation is let's separate out that one thing that's the most precious thing for us. It's our life. It's our life force. Let's separate that from all these other conditions and behaviors that are important to us and never allow one to depreciate the other. It's so liberating. It really is. Yeah. Do you have any practical steps on how someone could start to do that? I mean, this is huge. We could probably do 10 plus more episodes just on this, (laughs) but I love giving very practical either mindset shifts or something that someone could do to stop interpreting another person's behavior as they don't love me or they must not care about me. Okay. That's a really good question. So this takes us to that statement. I love you. Or we wait around for that statement. You never say you love me. You know, I I want you to say you love me. And we, you know, we're feeling like the person doesn't love us or we're wondering if we love them. So let's talk about what's really going on in that moment. What happens when you see kittens or puppies? I'm looking at my cat right now, sleeping next to me. My, it feels like my heart is going to explode. Oh my God, I love you so much, right? Uh Or you see kittens or puppies for the first time and you go, oh my God, I love them. Oh, that's so cool. What's happening? What's happening at that moment is that there's so much joy in that life in front of you or that sweet thing that just adores you or cuddles you or, you know, dogs that just are there so there for you all the time, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much connection and joy there that it reminds us of what's inside of us, right? We're elated. We're turned on. We're excited. And it's like our heart's bursting because there's nothing in the way of us just expressing, this is so cool. 
I mean, you go out into the woods if you love to hike and you're in, in trees and nature and you go, I love this. Ah, it's because at that moment, it's a reflection back onto who we are. Right? Yes. It's a reflection. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection. Think of that. When you say to someone, I love you, right before that, you are face-to-face or on the phone or however you're connecting with someone who sees you, hears you, and reflects back to you who you are so strongly that you burst out with, I love you. So <laughs> in reality, what we, I tried to start this, this, this kind of, what do you call it, a movement a while ago. It didn't catch on very well. I, I mean, try it again. But the <laughs> movement I wanted to start was instead of saying, I love you, when you feel that way, what we really are saying is, thank you. I love me. <laughs> so, mm. you know, what if every time that you felt like you were really going to say, I love you to someone because they expressed something or they were just a certain way or they were so beautifully noticing how you showed up and you just went up to them and went, thank you so much. And they went, well, why? Because <laughs> I love me. And you reminded me how much I love and appreciate who I am. Thank you. And that's really what we're doing every time we say, I love you to someone. Now, then the question comes up. If we're in a partnership or with, we're with friends or we're in a situation and we just aren't feeling very loving, um, we don't, we're kind of going, you know, this person's okay, but boy, I sure don't love them. <laughs> What's probably happening is that the person you're with in no way is really seeing you and reflecting back to you who you are. So you might be deep in a work project. Everything is contingent. You know, there's expectations. There's all the varieties, uh, varieties of pressure that are being put on us to provide, present, create, whatever it might be. And there's a lot of work and there's stress and there's who knows what else is going on. And there's just not even a moment where anybody is really seeing you deeply. They're just expecting a lot from you. Right? Or we're expecting a lot from them. And so, you know, the, that life force of love is not bouncing around like there's a mirror reflecting to all of us. And it just feels kind of a little gronky or it feels like it's a lot of work. There's a lot of pressure and it's exhausting. It can wear us down. Our heart's still beating. The life force is there. But all the external pressures and requirements on us to perform or be a certain way are steeped on top of it so much so that we don't even think about the fact that we're inhaling and exhaling. Breathing in, breathing out, and that life force is so powerful, right? We forget. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do people even forget how to forget to breathe? Mm-hmm. I work with clients that are that can be so upset, and I just go, all right, stop. Breathe. Breathe. Breathe with me and I'll take them through some specific breathing exercises just so that they sink back into who and what they are. 
That is so important. Yeah. Again, I can definitely feel the difference when you're in love. Everything just feels incredible. <laughs> it's kind of like you're just sort of using this other person as an excuse to line up with who you really are, right? You're just in alignment in that moment versus then they do something you don't like, then you feel terrible because you were, <laughs> you're kind of being conditional. You were feeling good because this other person was sort of behaving the way that you were hoping they would. I mean, I hear about all kinds of things like that. Of course, we've all been there ourselves too. I'm so curious, Larry, you, you mentioned the communication style, structural versus figurative. And I think people would probably be curious you know, as to what some of those other markers are, where if people don't line up, they might feel misaligned or not a good match or like the other person doesn't love them. Would you be open to sharing a few more of those? <laughs> you know, you're opening a huge door there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and we spent what, two hours talking about this the last time. Yeah, it was my it. longest live stream ever by far, but everyone loved it. So I'm sure people are curious to hear about that here too. So I'm going to do it a little quicker than two hours. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me, because there is a lot more. The communication style is the, one of the biggest ones because it's not just the words we use. It's also the energetic frequencies we're vibrating at. And so there's people that show up that, that exhaust us. I mean, we really feel like we're drained of energy when we're around them. And we have a term for them. A lot of people, the nickname is energy vampire. It's mm -hmm. not a nice nickname, right? But that's that's kind of like, oh, my God, they drained all my energy. They didn't drain any of our energy. It's just the two frequencies were bombarding each other, and they mm -hmm. wore it down. And, and that's part of our communication style. Um, you know, it's one small piece of it. Sense of humor is another. Kind of who we are, who our friends are and how we congregate with them is another. But, but outside of communication style, the next biggie is called activity level. And it's the speed that we run our lives and the way we process information. Some people are really quick, really fast. In fact, those of you that are listening, you'll know who you are because you have to stop yourself from finishing other people's sentences almost <laughs> all the time, right? So you're just being nice letting other people finish because most of the time you know what they're going to say before they're done. And you know, that the speed like that I'm talking right now, this is more moderate active because it's what I am. But what they really would like me to do is talk extremely fast, get everything I have to say out, not take two hours, but take 15 minutes to get all the information out to them because they don't want to wait any longer. This is the speed that they really like to hear. And the people that are listening right now are probably sitting back going, thank God he sped up. This is so much better. <laughs> so now if we're in relationships with people or working with someone and someone is super active, this is what they're called. And the other is moderate active, which is what I am. Um, you know, the super active person wants quick. Let's do it. Let's make decisions. They like structure in their day from the time their head leaves the pillow in the morning until the time it goes back on at night. They like to know what they're doing. They like mm -hmm. to have a plan. And the moderate active people can, they, you know, they can, they're sprinters. They can go like a bat out of hell. But when they're done, it's like, oh, okay, let's just sit back and relax. I don't need to know what I'm doing when this, this interview is over. I'll be good. I just go, you know, out to the koi pond, watch the fish, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. so, and where the super active person is going, no, I'm not doing the koi pond until later this evening until I fix these other 10 things that are on my list. <laughs> I'm and, laughing because I, I'm a super active person, you know, and knowing that you're moderate active is so helpful because I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this episode with Larry. I'm going to, you know, plan plenty of time. I don't have another call I have to rush out to, and then I can really sit here and appreciate and kind of soak in everything you're saying. Just knowing that is very helpful, right? 
Yes, and conversely, for me to know you're super active is very helpful for me because I know that you've got things planned out, designed, and you have a, a time frame. And so it's kind of, I take responsibility of going, what does Helena need? And what time period do we have to do it? Because I know mm -hmm. that she's going to get something done and go to the next one. I talked to you the other day. You were just doing an interview or getting off one. You're going to get on another interview. It's, <laughs> it's miraculous. It's amazing to watch. And, you know, for me, if I work with a client for a couple hours, I take a break to kind of reset and recalibrate. And by the way, super active people can do that too. And I don't want them, I don't want people to think, well, I'm not crazy and wanting to do everything all the time. Go, 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 go. And the reality is it's more the structure. And I remember one gal said to me, I'm not super active. It's impossible. And I went, well, tell me about your day. She says, I get up in the morning. I go for a walk on the beach. I love walks on the beach. Afterwards, I do yoga. And then I work. And at noon, I get together with a friend and we have this book club. And then in the afternoon, you know, I, she does something else. It was like it was so clearly dialed out. I went, <laughs> yep, super active, right? So even the times that we're relaxing, like the choice to sit back and watch a movie is by design. And all this is, is not telling someone that you're nuts for being that way. It's like, appreciate your design. And I have to tell you, like this last couple of years, especially when people were in lockdown, the folks that were most massively impacted, like to the point of deep depression, were people that were super active mm -hmm. because their routines stopped. It was like everything they wanted to do just stopped. And, and you know, being inside a cubicle and not being able to like organize their day and their activities and the expanse of that was very difficult. And there was a lot of depression related to it. And those in the coaching industry know that they had a backlog of customers to deal with it. Hmm. So, you know, just being aware of that is really important. Right. Yeah, I know for me, boredom is definitely not my friend. <laughs> if I mm -hmm. don't have, if there's, mm -hmm. you know, days that go by or nothing that I'm working on, mm -hmm. it's nice for a little while to be, you know, to be able to relax, but I tend to get depressed if I don't have something that I'm putting my energy towards. Absolutely. And imagine now you get depressed and you're going, why am I depressed? What's wrong with me? Which is a horrible question to ask ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what's, what isn't right yet <laughs> is a better question. But the, you know, imagine you're in that and you don't really know where it's coming from. And then someone says, hey, come, let's go do this. Let's go do this. And you go do these activities that you normally do with your other friend that's super active. And you come back and go, I, wow, thank you for saving me. Right. And, mm -hmm. and the, so it's great. And the two different styles they have to learn how to dance with each other. So my partner, she's super active. She plans things really well. She'll ask, where do you want to go for dinner? Where she already knows. <laughs> and I like her, her questions and her decisions. But the biggest challenge for us is that she'll go, I'm always making the decisions. Well, I can make decisions. There's no problem. But I like her decisions. She makes them quick. I think about them longer. She doesn't want to wait for me to think about them. So I go with her decision. The result is an undercurrent of resentment can build up that why am I doing all this? Mm. You need to participate. So we understand that difference and we have rules around it so that I do make certain decisions and she doesn't, even though that she may want to. 
It's like, no, that's mine. I'm deciding where we're going to dinner. I'm mm. going to create this next activity. In fact, the vacation we're taking, I'm putting it all together. You just get to come along for the ride, which makes them so nervous. Right? <laughs> but then they love it. And she just absolutely loves it as long as there's not too much downtime. Right. right. So, so there's lots of ways to do it. The challenge, again, is we have to be careful not to assess someone else's behavior as something they're doing wrong because they're different. And we also have to be careful as to not request someone be a certain way that's not their natural way of being. So I'm, again, I'm talking at the speed I normally talk out. And, and I know, like, if I'm working with clients, I have this amazing couple. They're both super active. I can tell you in a two-hour session, it's like four hours worth of, of communication. Mm. because I know I have to speed up to talk with them. Otherwise they're going to go, why are we working with this guy? <laughs> He's so <laughs> different than us. Right. And I have the ability to fluctuate in a really cool way. So I can talk really fast and say, look, we need to do this. We really need to go through this and this and this and this and this and this and listen carefully. This is so important, right? So I can go from high speed to slow speed and that variation makes it more engaging. And I know that if I don't talk fast enough, I'm going to lose half your audience as well. Hmm. So it's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that this really works, you know, in any area of life, not just romantic relationships. You know, oh I have God. a family member I'm thinking of who, you know, has always felt her whole life that her father doesn't love her. And I mean, the truth is he just is who he is, right? But it sort of affected her whole life. And she's had terrible relationship patterns and things like that, all because of the story she created in her mind about her dad not loving her. It's so interesting. And, and I can see how this works in uh, partnerships in business too. So this could really be helpful to understand really, no matter what <laughs> situation you're in, in any area of your life. Mm -hmm. So now it's so true. Now, by the way, combine that with where we started with this conversation. My dad doesn't love me. Mm -hmm. Right. And remember what I said, that sense of love is the reflection. It's that piece. So if he, if you feel like the person doesn't love you, how are you reflecting back to them who they are? That's the question to ask ourselves. Right. If we really want someone to express or have that feeling of love or tell us how much they love us or even just appreciate us, right? We have to ask ourselves, how am I showing up? So my dad doesn't love me. Well, how do you show your dad that you appreciate who he is? How do you reflect back to him of the magnificent man that he is? Hopefully there's something about him that is really special and unique. He's your father. You know, there, there are all kinds of complications. I can hear the whole audience going, oh, some of these guys are assholes. Some of them, are, hmm. you know, doesn't matter. There is a human being in there that chooses to live and survive and provide. And so, you know, there's that question, how can you show them or reflect back to them what you see that's precious? And, you know, if you don't feel that they love you, is that really true? Do they really see you? Do they really understand you? Do they really appreciate you? Or are you holding that back from them being able to see it? Maybe you're Absolutely. worried that you're going to be hurt because you won't be recognized, that it's going to feel good because you're not going to feel good enough. 
because you're doing special things and, and your father just doesn't see it. Well, now you get to ask the question, why doesn't he see it? Well, it could be that he is so involved with those things that he must do, or it could be that how he was raised and how he was taught to speak to, to see, to react to his children, almost prohibit him, prohibit him, prohibits him from seeing the things that you really want him to see. And and the result is you grow up thinking that I'm not good enough. And by the way, that not good enough or not being accepted easily, that in itself is going to reflect into other relationships with other partners. And if they say something that to you that doesn't feel like it is identifying or, or acknowledging who you are, instantly you don't feel good enough. And by the way, as soon as you don't feel good enough, because it's a terrible feeling, resentment is the next thing that comes out. And mm -hmm. what you send back to your, your partner is painful. So it becomes this, this crazy circle of, of diminishing returns. So true. I've just seen that happen over and over in countless women in my community. Of course, we've all been there and done that in various ways, right? Mm -hmm. Men I and women both. Men and women both. They yeah. Both it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's not a gender thing. Yeah. So true. Yeah. My audience here is about 90% women. So I tend to use language that reflects that, but absolutely this yeah. goes, this applies to men as well, for sure. I know there's also, let's see if I can remember this, a sexual response type and financial logic. Did you want to touch on those or are the first two, the two big ones? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely know the sexual response type is probably the biggest in terms mm. of where the demise can oftentimes happen in relationships. Um, financial logic, I'll just say real quickly, there is energetics around it. It is very important. There's a lot of things that we learn around money. And so sometimes the energetics are not as obvious and it's very negotiable. There's, there's lots of things about it, but you either like to work with money or you don't. And if you're not, if, you know, if you don't like dealing with money and counting and all that kind of stuff, it means that you're probably non-conservative financial logic and we call you rainmakers. And if you're putting pressure on yourself to do the books and take care of the financial management and all those things, and you really hate it, don't make yourself wrong about it. Just go hire a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. It's really simple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really simple. When I have couples that I'm working with and they're both non-conservative financial logic and, and I say, well, who does the books? And one will go, I do it this month. And then she does it, you know, next year, whatever. I said, well, you both can stop that. Go hire a bookkeeper. Mm. Neither, neither do you like it don't force each other to do it right or the person who's conservative financial logic which is what i am it's like money it, it, spreadsheets and stuff like that are easy for me they're simple mm -hmm. and so and, it, and it's no skin off my back i could do them really quickly do i love doing them do i enjoy doing them not necessarily but it's easy to do so if, you know if you're my partner and we have to do it i'll just do it what the heck right mm -hmm. and you'd be going well, how could you possibly like that anyhow that's the <laughs> financial logic side okay it. got it's it it's more fun Sexual response type is a big one. And what makes it a big one is that our statistics from our own studies with our own people, there's tens of thousands that we've looked at now. It's about 95% of the relationships where the partners are mismatched sexually don't succeed unless, Helena, they know this difference and they know what to do about it. Wow. 
it's huge, right? So what happens in a relationship? There's lots of chemistry, which is another thing we look at too. It'll take us down another path that's incredible. But just imagine there's a ton of chemistry. You get together with someone. It's intimate. It's incredible. You're excited with each other. You even have the same communication style. So it's like, oh, my God, this is we're so connecting on so many levels. I can't believe it. And, and at the beginning, you know, we are so attentive to our partner's needs and desires that it's like, oh, this is so good, right? And we jump in. And then over a short period of time, and usually it's not very long, it can be, you know, 30 days, it could be a few months, but it definitely within a couple of years, which is not very long in the grand scheme of a really successful relationship, the quality of the sexual desire and sexual encounter goes downhill. And mm. what often happens is that one of the partners just doesn't feel the connection. And so it's very hard for the other partner to even get them excited or turned on. And what's really going on is there's two energetic frequencies. There's two different sexual response type. One is mental emotional. That's the title we have for it. The other one is physical, the mental emotional person, the prelude to sex is really important to them. That it's like the communication, the see the, the, the scene, the romance, the feeling of, of deep connection and desire, all those things are so important to sexually engage, right? And so mm -hmm. when that happens, that's a form of foreplay that's just critical. Now, for the physical sexual response type person, they may like all those things. I mean, that sounds great. You're going to do candles and music and romance me and Oh, wow, this sounds great. And flowers, wow, it's incredible. And then I'll turn around and say, do you need any of that? And their answer is consistently, there's a little pause. And I know from the pause what their answer is. Because if, <laughs> if they needed it, they would go, absolutely. But there's this pause and go, and then they'll go, no, not really. And so our byline for people that are physical sexual response type is when you're hot, you're hot. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, now's the time. Now's the time, right? And here's the biggest challenge. If we listen to our friends, John Gray or David Data or, you know, a whole variety of people that have typecasted how the female approaches sex or yeah. the male approaches sex, they tell you it's very different. And that's not true. It's 50% of the time it's very different. So there's an equal number of men as there are women who are mental emotional, who love that foreplay, who need to come from their head and their heart first to really be engaged. Now, yeah. they may be able to have a quickie. Everyone can have a quickie. That's fun, right? That's good every once in a while, but it won't sustain them in the relationship. Men and women both. And that doesn't make the man feminine. It just means that his energetic frequencies are what we call mental emotional. He can be a very strong, powerful man but he still needs those things. And then there's women that are the same in our physical sexual response type where they're just going, Oh yeah, just do me. Mm -hmm. you know, what are you waiting for? I want you now. And you know, the, the mental emotional guy goes going at the beginning, he's going, well, it's great. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to get the flowers. I don't have to create a scene. I don't have to do any of this. She just wants me. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't last long. It's like right. after a while, it's like, slow down gal.
So true. I'm so glad you brought that up about the genders too, because I know there's this narrative that, you know, all men want sex. And even if, mm. you know, they don't see you as relationship material, they'll still sleep with you. And it's just, I mean, it's just it's not true. Not true. Yeah. My husband and I are both mental, emotional. And he's told me on a number of times, he's like, I just don't understand how people could sleep with someone and not have an emotional connection. Like, I don't understand how anyone could have a one night stand or have sex with someone that they don't feel that strong, romantic, uh, you know, deep emotional bond with. And there are plenty of men like that out there, but that that can be hard to believe if you've never experienced that. Yeah. Yeah, 50% of the men. I guarantee you, if you tack your husband in the kitchen though, that you've got enough, you got enough buildup over time. He'll get, you'll go, that was fun. Wow. What brought that on? You know? Yeah, so, it's interesting. You know, mo- a lot of my male friends too, who are coaches and have done have done your free report, are uh, mental emotional too. So there's plenty of men who want that emotional connection, right? Yeah, totally. I'm mental emotional, and I had a, a partner years ago whose physical sexual response type, and I love telling this story because she was a doctor. She was working all day while she was working. I knew she was coming back to the house at like six o'clock for dinner. And so beforehand, I went out and I bought some flowers and I made an arrangement and I lit the fireplace and I put on her favorite music and I made dinner. I had dinner ready to go. So when she got home, I figured she'd be hungry. She would want to eat and we'd sit down at a candlelight dinner. It'd be just so romantic and wonderful. So by the way, while I'm doing all this, plenty of foreplay for me. I'm doing all my own foreplay. That was it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm teeing myself up. I'm good to go, right? She comes home and she, I greet her at the door and I go, are you hungry? And she goes, oh, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't want food. She wanted me. Right. And and I knew this well enough to go, okay, look at the food's already, but it'll be great leftovers. Right. And we played and then we came back and had dinner. But here's what normally would happen. I would have dinner ready and I don't know this situation. She goes, I'm hungry. And I go, okay, well, you know what? I have dinner ready though. Everything's hot. It's just coming out of the oven. You know how I like to serve things right when they're ready for you. And I've got everything all plated and candles are lit. And and, and she would go, oh, so sweet. Yeah, let's eat, right? Mm-hmm. Now, at an other than conscious level, Helena, her body's going, he missed my cue. I was just going to say that you would have missed the cue. Wow. Yep. I would have yeah. totally missed the cue. And it's not conscious, right? She's just going, that's so sweet. And but here's the deal. So I get away with it once. If I do that another time, again, her body is going, he missed my cue. A third time, God damn it, he missed my cue. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, the body is shutting down before I get a chance. And so the most common thing that we'll see among mental, emotional, and physical couples when they're two, the, the two different response types is at some point, the mental emotional person will go, well, she or he just lays on the bed. I don't know what to do to get them excited. Well, their body's already shut down, does not believe that the person that is their partner knows what to do when they want them to do it. And they're not even aware of why that's happening, but they've shut down, right? So we've literally conditioned them to not want us. And this is a really tough place to be if you're in a partnership and you love your partner tremendously you're committed to them devoted to them you want great sex with them. you think they're beautiful whatever the case might be and for some reason it's not working so why is it shut down you've got to go back and break that down and then condition the new behavior 
And there are things that are really important to do. Like a physical sexual response type person, they can just jump in and go. But you know what? The prelude to sex, or not the prelude, the the follow-up to sex is extremely important. So let's say that I'm mental, emotional, my partner's physical, and as soon as we've had this beautiful lovemaking session, I just hop out of bed. Like, I'm going to go check my phone. I'm going to go put the stuff in the freezer. I got to grab some stuff from the car, whatever, right? I just, but I leave because I think we're done. But the physical person is not done until they say they are. Mm. And so that aftermath, that like hold me, there could have been, it could have been massively orgasmic and beautiful. And, you know, all the different things, their erotic blueprint, if you've ever heard of it, it's an amazing product, right? The erotic blueprint could have been right on and you nailed it. And at the same time, you got out and they have this feeling of, God, it was almost like 100%. Now it's like 80, right? And so I always say to the mental, emotional partners, and they have a physical partner, I always say to them, you don't get out of bed till she or he lets you out. Mm. When they say you can go, then you're done, which means hold me for a while or just, you know, cuddle with me, lay next to me, let's talk, something, right? They're not done. And too often we just jump out. Now, that's a really simple thing, but the deeper things, though, are to learn how to move sexual energy. And we're not taught this. You know, in, that more and more people are learning about it. A lot of tantric practices teach it. But if there's the two different energetic styles, then they need to learn how to move sexual energy with each other. Because, see, your mental, emotional, so am I. Our sexual energy is all on the surface. It's flowing. It's available to us all the time. You're super active in mental, emotional, so you're like, you know, super active on steroids, right? <laughs> and, and there's lots of extra energy there. You don't need a lot of sleep until you have sex, and then, you, then you're depleted. You need to, to regenerate it. But the physical sexual response type person, their sexual energy is held inside. They source from their core, and it moves up to their heart. Right. This mm. is a really important piece because in tantric practices, and I'll talk about for women, a lot of them, the, the assumption is that all women will source from their head and their heart and it moves down. And that's not the case for women. It kind of moves both directions, but you have to, you have to really acknowledge the fact that, that it begins at their core and moves up. And so in the mental emotional person, our sexual energy is moving all the time. It's free. The physical sexual response type person, the ideal partner is someone who's also physical sexual response type because that same frequency, when they harmonize, they vibrate together, it releases the sexual energy naturally. All right. So yeah. that's great. What if your partner is not the same as you? You don't say, oh, you know what? Eh, we're not the same. I love you in all ways. And let's go our own direction. That would be cruel and unjust, not just for each other, but the world in general, right? So right. what they need to do is learn how to move that energy. And that takes some work, some focus, it's touch, it's breathing, it's fun, it's exciting, it's deeply penetrating. And I'm not talking in that way. I mean, to the core of our being. And so there's all that potential there. But if we don't know we need to do that, then the relationship, again, the statistics are not very pretty. Hmm. And by so the way, when that's all happening, guess what words are getting thrown around? You don't love me. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, you don't care about me not making an effort like you used to. It's so interesting when you said that, you know, consciously the person might sit down to dinner and then, but, you know, on an other than conscious level, I think you called it, they said, you know, he missed my cue or she missed my cue. And then eventually without even realizing it, they just shut down towards Mm -hmm. the other person, even though they want to be open and have a great, great relationship. Right. I mean, look at it. And in a healthy relationship, there's some things that are so important to us. Communication is key. Being in a place outside of judgment, being open and willing to change, to emerge, to expand as a human being and allow our partners to do that. Because if we're not doing that, it's going to be, a, it's, it's a huge pitfall, right? Yeah. To be able to, to, to give to each other the flexibility to grow and those are critical behaviors, right? And when it comes to intimacy, especially sensual and sexual intimacy, to be able to be met there, to experience that space, to expand out into a deeper and bigger horizons of experiences around sexuality is huge. A lot of partners, they get together, they have children, the mother goes through you know, childbirth, and then she's raising the child, and then she has another child, and she's raising another child, and sexually, they're so disconnected and so apart from each other that they're missing a really important ingredient. And and this isn't overemphasizing sex, but I am going to overemphasize sensuality, hmm. right? We need, We are sensual beings, and if we're not moving energy, especially sexual energy, that's our life force again. It's Kundalini energy that needs to move. It needs to move. Otherwise, we won't be healthy. I know we could just talk forever about this. Now that one, <laughs> and it's already been an hour. This has just flown by. Did you want to touch on true and false attraction? Or is that a oh, topic for a whole to? episode? <laughs> I, can. I think it's I really mean, important if you want to just quickly touch on it because it's just crucial, right? Well, it's it's probably the reason why the divorce rate is as high as it is. And, mm-hmm. and you're going, what? What the heck is he talking about? So chemistry, right? Attractions, we call it attractions, but what we're really talking about is chemistry. And what we really know about chemistry is it's chemicals, it's brain drugs, it's hormones and neurotransmitters. And there are six primary ones. I'm not going to say them all now because it'd just be words. But the the key is they exist. And when we get together with someone that has the right energetic frequency, then we have that chemistry explode, right? And when it explodes, we like lose all sense of reality. (laughs) Not all sense, but it seems like it, right? The the person could be a smoker and we hate cigarette smoking and they tell us, okay, I'm going to quit for you. And you believe them while they quit smoking. They're smoking two cigarettes at a time you know, one in each hand and you still believe them because there's so much chemistry. You've got rose colored glasses on. You don't see the things that you know are not right for you. Right. And chemistry is like that. Now, chemistry is also delicious, right? It feels so good. It's so great to like get together with someone, meet them and then have that, that prolonged sense of, Oh God, this is like, I can feel it through my whole body. My body's tingling. I'm talking about it. My body's tingling. And and, you know, you walk away and the whole rest of the day, that person is still, your body's still tingling. You still feel them because 
the oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine and all these chemicals are so elevated that it's taken you over, right? So we have the only system in the world that can identify when chemistry will be there. And more important, if that chemistry is connecting you with the with a person that is going to be energetically easier to work with or is going to require more work, mm. right? So definitely when someone has what we call true attractions, they're going to find themselves most likely with people that are the same communication style as them. Now, if they're not, there's other things going on and that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, but it, that's, that's the typical thing. If you have what we call false attractions, which we've also nicknamed a broken picker, which probably isn't very fair, but it's what's really happening is you're now attracted to someone that's a different communication style than you and you meet them and you go, Oh, wow, this feels so great. This is incredible. Until you realize, you know, three months later that you can't have a conversation and understand each other mm -hmm. without there being some kind of argument or disagreement or misunderstanding. Right. It's like, why is this? I mean, you're smart. I'm smart. We both like the same things. We enjoy doing a lot of things and we're constantly like missing each other's meaning. What the heck? Right. And, and by the way, and the chemistry can be still be very strong. Now, um, chemistry.com, you know, that was a, a, a dating site that was designed on us based on a study that spoke that spoke to the fact that in their study, chemistry only lasted at two years. Now, by the way, that was the science at the time. Scientific studies, the one thing we know about them is most likely they're going to be different when you look at them with more variables. Mm -hmm. So the reality is they didn't have energetics to look at. And chemistry doesn't just last two years. Chemistry can last a lifetime. But what really kind of shoots chemistry in the foot is pain. There's a narrow, other neurotransmitters that are related to pain. So you break a leg, you're not thinking chemistry. You get in a big fight with someone and it hurts and it's mean and it's cruel and you're stuck in the thing that you don't, you know, now you're not loving or all that stuff related to love that, by the way, everybody listening now, you don't get to do that anymore. You are love. Mm -hmm. Don't forget that. You are love. You mm. are, right? But you have all these other things going on and it's so painful and it's so disruptive that the chemistry is not there anymore. And some relationships split up. I mean, we have seen this. We've tested it. We've worked with couples that went through contentious divorces. They really did not like each other at all, right? Mm -hmm. And they run into each other like eight years later, and there's all this chemistry, and they're going, oh, I don't like this person. Why do I feel this way, <laughs> right? The chemistry yeah. still comes back until they really think about who it is, why it happened, why they don't want to be with them, and now there's enough, you know, thoughts that are painful in their head. They go, okay, chemistry's going down. Thank goodness. It's so, so interesting. Yeah. I was just going to say, I hear from so many people who say, I need that chemistry to be there, that it has to be there, but it's so clear to me or probably anyone looking objectively, even just through a YouTube comment on the screen, you can see that their chemistry is hooked up with the wrong kind of person who's not going to be very compatible with them or where things just don't tend to work out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it happens. It really does. And it's, uh, it's, 
here's the, the thing. The bottom line with chemistry is it feels really awesome. It really does. I mean, it's great to have that high. It's great to have your body tingling and be of that, that so obsessed with someone. It's like delicious. Mm-hmm. Or to have someone that obsessed with you. It's like, wow, I felt this desired. Whoa, this is great. And we just have to put it in perspective. And if it's something that you really thrive on and you notice that every time it comes up, you know, that every time it comes up is is right there an indicator that it's come up many times and the relationships didn't last. Yeah. So for some reason, you went gung-ho into a relationship and you went too fast because of chemistry and then you had a challenging discovery, right? And yes. people that have done that, and, and this is both men and women, but I hear it from both of them. I used to just hear it from women because like you, that was most of my, my the people that I spoke with were prim- primarily women. Now it's starting to change and I really enjoy that. And I'm discovering men are doing the same things. They're going, oh my God, I know when chemistry is really strong that <laughs> to like slow the F down, I need to slow mm-hmm. down. I need to relax. Mm-hmm. I need to drop in to, you know, what this really is about. And by the way, for those people that have what we call a broken picker or false attractions, when you meet someone that there's no chemistry in the beginning, it can totally evolve. So at that point that you really start to spend time with that person and connect with them deeply, that the level and the quality of that connection, those neurochemicals, those neurotransmitters and those hormones will start to develop. So true. Yeah. So don't worry that you have to end up with some boring person who you have no chemistry or attraction with, right? No desire for, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, we could go on. There's a lot more of it. You know, I I just would really, I want to tell you how much I appreciate um, being on these calls with you and being interviewed with you. Absolutely. To get to your audience. And I really, really my hope, my desire, my wish is that everyone listening to this can take a moment, take a deep breath, a big inhale in, feel your heart beat and know you are love. That is your life force that you woke up with. It's there all the time, despite the stress, despite the challenges, despite all the things that are going on, you are loved. You're not broken. You've never been broken. You've had conditions that might be very challenging. Yes, we all have. And those can be overcome because you are love. That is so beautiful. And it's just such a great reminder. I mean, even for people like me who live and breathe this stuff, it can just be so easy to forget. It can easily go up in my head and just go into overdrive, (laughs) right, with my super active style, especially, and tend to forget these things myself. So this was very helpful for me personally. Thank you so much, Larry. I love everything you shared. And like I mentioned, if you'd like to learn about your own energetic profile, are you still offering that for free, Larry? I can include that link as the first link in the description of this. Yes, absolutely. Although we've done some different things with our site, we have some really exciting things coming up and the the reports for free, it's a little it takes a, about 3 or 4 minutes longer now because we now have a login system. We had a cybersecurity issue and now we really want to make sure that everybody's information is so tightly secured. So we have a new login system that allows you to get to the report. When you get to filling out the report, This one's going to blow everyone away for a second. You're going to go, what? 
because it's only going to ask you for two questions. It's going to ask you for your birth date. Time is not important. Where you were born is not important. Just day, month, and year, right? Your real birth date. Don't make one up because you'll get <laughs> the wrong answers. And it's going to ask you for your biological opposite gender parent's birth date. Guys, this is your biological mother. Women, this is your biological father. If you don't have that information, do the report anyhow. That's the piece that provides the information on chemistry or attractions. But the whole report will be complete with just your birth date. Is this astrology? No. It's assumed oftentimes that it is because that's all we're asking for. It's really astronomy and quantum physics. And mm. astronomy is a very hard science. We're using birth dates to pull in this information. And it's been scientifically tested, which is so great and proven to be very, very accurate. So go in there and do it. Um, once you're in, there's lots of options. I mean, basically you're getting this report for free, but there's so many fun things that we're getting ready to introduce, including a library that keeps track of all these things for you, which is really fun. Amazing. And I know back when I interviewed you for my YouTube channel, you ran this for my now husband and I, we had just started dating at the time. So it's, it's amazing so cool. I how it. accurate it's so it was. Fun. I know um, it was a report where you can, you know, enter your information and another person's information and then get a report on how compatible the two of you are. Are you still offering that as an Absolutely. option for people? Okay, great. Absolutely. That's great. our energetic romance report. And it comes with anywhere from a 38 to 90 page long description of all of the things that we're talking about in far more detail and how to navigate them when you're different. And not only we're offering that, for a very short period of time, and we'll do this for, for your people for sure, we're actually offering a lifetime access to those reports. That's, that's something new that you don't know about yet that we're just introducing, which means you can run them not just on your romantic partners, but you can run them and take a look at how you, um, how you interact with your brother, your sister, the people that you work with, your friends, your coworkers, all of those things. Uh, the, the people that use these all the time are like they're, they have a one up on the rest of us in terms of how to compassionately and consciously um, and evolutionarily, if that's a word, <laughs> mm -hmm. interact with each other. And it's really beautiful. So, Amazing. So yeah, I'll include those links too, right underneath uh, the episode where you're listening to this in the show notes and everyone can go check that out. I'll also include links to your social media or email or anywhere else they can get a hold of you. Larry, I know people are going to be very interested in hearing more from you. I know you had another option for an episode we could do on courageous intimacy, which I would absolutely love to bring you back on sometime. Um, if that would be fun for you too. <laughs> oh, totally. You know, that one's my favorite topic. Is yeah. it? Okay, uh, great. Like it's there. I mean, I love them both, but courageous intimacy is all about how we live. And really that's, to me, that's the foothold. That's the most important part in a really quality relationship and in relationships with ourselves as well is like, yeah, please. I, I want to come back and do that one. So great. That would be amazing. So yes, thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for listening live. I see Estella in the chat. Thank you so much. This was amazing, Larry. So I hope we can do this again very soon. Yay. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Bye everyone.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're tired of struggling in your love life and you want a proven system to get into and maintain a relationship where you're consistently loved, valued, and cherished, go to forever1234.com. Again, that's forever1234.com.